Today on the Rogue Retirement Lounge, why I don't trust financial advisors. Okay, in my position, one of the things that I do regularly is I listen to retirement planning podcasts just to find out what kind of advice people out there are getting from these podcasts. And I got to tell you, I have a lot of free time, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. And overall, Pretty much any podcast you find with the word retirement in the name is going to give you sound advice. The content may not be very entertaining, but there are a ton of good finance and retirement podcasts out there. Um, in fact, before I go any further, I want to share three really good retirement planning podcasts with you. So first up, one that I've been listening to for a long time is called Finishing Well with Hans Scheil. Uh, it comes out every Saturday. And they cover everything from life insurance to investing to Medicare and Social Security. The format is kind of dry, and both of the dudes are very religious. Um, sometimes they have like uh, biblical themes that they kind of riff off of, but the information is always solid. And there's kind of a, a host or co-host named Robbie, and I, I don't know what his credentials are, but Hans Scheil, the main guy is full on 100% the real deal. And when I say don't trust that I don't trust financial advisors, well, I would totally trust this guy. He's got 40 years of experience. He totally knows what he's talking about. And I've listened to probably 100 episodes of this show, and I feel like I could trust this guy with my life. Anyway, if you're not put off by the uh, religious overtones and undertones, finishing well is great, and the advice is always good. Uh, another podcast that I like, um, in fact, I've been interviewed on it uh, to talk about real estate. Um, this podcast is called Retirement Revealed, and the host of this show is Jeremy Keel. He's got all the acronyms after his name, CFA, CFP, CIMA. Um, anyway, this dude's legit and he's cool. Um, and in his podcast, he interviews a lot of guests and I've even poached a couple guests off his show. Again, this is a, a financial advisor who's good and I would totally trust him with my money. And because I see him as kind of a, more of a voice of reason, maybe more conservative than I am when it comes to portfolio construction, um, I interviewed him for my show and I'll be posting that interview soon. Again, that one's called um, Retirement Revealed. And the third podcast I'd recommend is probably the first one that you come across if you were to Google retirement podcast or retirement planning podcast. And that's um, the Retirement Answer Man with Roger Whitney. Again, he's got all the acronyms. He's cool. He's personable. And I trust him. He is shilling uh, a membership that's uh, 600 bucks a year, and he makes reference to that club now and then, which is kind of a little bit off-putting, but, you know, we all got to make a buck. Um, and overall, I dig his show, and he does some deep, deep dives into various topics, and sometimes over the course of multiple episodes, multiple weeks. Again, that's called the Retirement Answer Man podcast, and it's good. So I just wanted to share those shows uh, that I like and advisors I trust before I start slamming a show that doesn't measure up. And, and, and there are times when you're getting what you pay for when you listen to free podcasts. And that leads me to a show that the, the other day I'd listened to a, a podcast where the things that the host said were so asinine, so revealing of his complete ignorance of the subject, my mouth was literally agape as I listened to point after 
uninformed, unresearched point for just over 20 minutes. And I kept thinking, this dude is a CFP, a quote unquote certified financial planner. And therefore, he should know what he's talking about, right? Well, this content was so embarrassingly bad, I had to go back and listen twice because I kind of couldn't believe it. Um, also, I downloaded the audio files. Then um, there's two two episodes. I downloaded the audio files because if he has any listeners at all, he's going to get heat for spewing so much bullshit. And if I were him, I'd be taking those episodes down. So by the time you're listening to this uh, and you do want to hear the episodes, if you find they've been taken down or removed, um, just send me an email and I'll send them to you so you can hear them. So why am I sharing this information with you? Why am I bashing some other dude's podcast? Well, I've got a couple reasons. One is to illustrate why I don't trust a lot of financial advisors. And two is because I just want to correct what this dude said about the topic of his shows. And by the way, the topic uh, is cryptocurrency. And I want to just provide counterpoints to the dumb, like really dumb things that he says, because you may be at a party or maybe you're at happy hour and say you strike up a conversation with someone and they want to talk about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And if they were to make some of these really stupid statements and offer up misinformation, I want to arm you with intelligent counterpoint. And I hope that I'm not coming off as too much of an asshole or a bully here. Um, I support my fellow podcasters. Really, I do. And it's not ever my MO to trash other shows. But in this case, I could not keep my mouth shut. So anyway, the show is called Retire Mentorship. And a quick disclaimer, nothing that I'm about to say in this podcast is an attack on the person who hosts the show. My comments referred to the information that he provided in his podcast. Every account that I'm about to give of what was stated is true. I'm not embellishing things here. And this isn't personal. I'm sure the host is a perfectly nice guy, and I'm sure he's plenty smart and competent, and I'm sure he's infinitely qualified to manage other people's money, but not mine. That said, again, the podcast is called Retire Mentorship, and the title of the episode in question is Should I Buy Bitcoin Part 1? Now, our host starts out by saying he's not an expert in cryptocurrency. That was a good start, and he's about to prove it in a big way. Next, he says that the subject of the episode is crypto in general, and that includes Bitcoin and, quote, everything else. So, so right there was a red flag. If you're going to be offering people advice relating to an asset and the purchase thereof, this is kind of a problem because Bitcoin is very, very different from all other cryptocurrencies. I don't want to do a deep dive on why Bitcoin is its own category and shouldn't be lumped in with the rest of the cryptocurrency assets, projects, and tokens out there. But if you're wondering about the mechanics of the how and the why, I've got a great resource for you, and that's a report that just came out in January. It's called Bitcoin First, and I'll put a link in the show notes. There's a lot to it. It's about 25 pages, but it's really well presented, and, well, it's legit because it comes from Fidelity. Again, link will be in the show notes. Now, if our host would have just shown the intellectual curiosity to look up the difference between Bitcoin and other crypto assets, he might have found this report and could have actually gotten a quick education on the asset class and then spoken a little bit more intelligently about the subject, but he didn't. Now, before I get back to my diatribe, real quick, I want to read a couple lines from the executive summary of that Fidelity report, just because it's so good. It starts out, Bitcoin is best understood as a monetary good and one of the primary investment theses 
for Bitcoin is as the store of value asset in an increasingly digital world. Next up, they say, Bitcoin is fundamentally different from any other digital asset. No other digital asset is likely to improve upon Bitcoin as a monetary good because Bitcoin is the most, relative to other digital assets, secure, decentralized, sound digital money and any, quote, improvement will necessarily face trade-offs. So that's a powerful statement. And I want to point out, in those two statements, they call Bitcoin a monetary good, a store value asset, and, quote, sound digital money. Now back to the uh, Retirementorship podcast. The host says this, quote, Many people have asked me over the years if they should buy cryptocurrency. It is a question I get quite frequently. He goes on to say that his opinion may change in the future and, quote, that's the point of having well thought out opinions, end quote. So he leads you to believe that he's done a lot of research on the topic because people have been asking about it for years and he claims to have a well thought out opinion. So to the uninformed listener, they might get drawn in by this and actually believe that this kid knows what he's talking about. So he starts off by talking about what cryptocurrency is not. And the first thing he says is that it isn't an investment, period. It's not an investment. Now, on the surface, I can agree with that notion kind of because, you know, actually, I've said it before, that putting your money into Bitcoin and other cryptos is speculation. It's gambling. But now that there are global ETFs that trade in Bitcoin, now that institutional money is pouring into crypto, well, the, the wholesale statement that the asset isn't an investment kind of really isn't true. But he goes on to say that it's not an investment because it doesn't have a proven track record. He says investments have a proven track record of success and current data to support the idea that it will continue to be a success in the future. Okay, so this is his opinion. The billions of dollars flowing into the various crypto projects, the nearly trillion dollar valuation of Bitcoin and the hundreds of analysts with Fibonacci charts showing Bitcoin's continued success. And again, the institutional money flowing into the Bitcoin and crypto worlds paint a very different picture. The next thing he tells us is that cryptocurrency is not currency. Full stop. He says that any currency that fluctuates as much as cryptocurrency does is not what he calls a true currency. Again, this is his opinion because nobody has ever defined currency by how much or how little its value fluctuates. So, you know, for me, if I was in this dude's office looking for financial advice and he told me that cryptocurrency just doesn't count as currency because it fluctuates, I'd say, give me my money back before we go any further. Um, so when I need a concise definition or an explanation of a financial term, the first place that I usually go is Investopedia. Um, so just for the hell of it, I thought I'd look up the term currency there. And here's their definition. Currency is a medium of exchange for goods and services. In short, it's money in the form of paper or coins, usually issued by a government and generally accepted at its face value as a method of payment. Currency is the primary medium of exchange in the modern world, having long ago replaced bartering as a means of trading goods and services. In the 21st century, a new form of currency has entered the vocabulary, the virtual currency. Virtual currencies, such as bitcoins, have no physical existence or government backing and are traded and stored in electronic form. Okay, so this dude's contention that a currency isn't a true currency if its value fluctuates, is 
Well, it's his opinion and it's a dumb one. So look at the US dollar, okay? So since the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, the value of the US dollar, which most people would consider a true currency, has declined by 96%. That means that today's dollar in 1913 has the purchasing power of four cents. Okay, there's a hundred other examples of currencies that have had massively fluctuating values, but I'll just leave it at that. So he goes on to say that cryptocurrency isn't a medium of exchange, which again is totally untrue. I mean, look at El Salvador, look at how the Lightning Network has experienced uh, exponential growth, uh, look at African Bitcoin adoption, saying that this category doesn't count as a medium of exchange is, well, it's just lazy. Then he goes on to introduce what he calls the problems, or at least the problems as he sees them with cryptocurrencies. And this is where the ignorance hits stratospheric levels. First up, he uses the cliche about the black market. He says, crypto is popular on the black market. Drugs, weapons, sex slaves, and a host of other goods and services are being purchased with crypto due to its anonymity. That's one of the benefits of cryptocurrency is its inability to be traced. So, you know what currency is the most popular on the black market? That's right, the US dollar. The black market argument is so dumb and so old, I'd rather not spend any time on it. But when he goes on to say that cryptocurrency can't be traced, again, this proves the guy doesn't even bother to read the news. Maybe you heard a couple of weeks ago that the feds recovered $3.6 billion worth of Bitcoin that was stolen in the Bitfinex hack. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that blockchains are public ledgers, public. And while there are ways to anonymize your transactions, if you do bad enough stuff and the government wants to find you and you're engaging in trade on a blockchain, they probably will find you. Okay, so he says one more stupid thing that I need to counter here. He says, because of that anonymity, one of the most active sectors actually using crypto as a currency is the black market. I'm ignoring the fact that he just contradicted himself and said that people are using crypto as a currency, right? But again, this is a false claim. According to the blockchain research firm Chainalysis, criminal activity accounted for 0.15% of all blockchain transactions last year, down 75% from 2020. Okay, so that would still be less than 1% and down nearly 96% from 2019. So again, criminal activity accounted for just 0.15% of all blockchain transactions. So again, people who listen to this guy are getting fed stupidly wrong information. And I wouldn't be pissed about it if there weren't so many other dumb shits out there saying the exact same things. People like Elizabeth Warren, Robert Reich, Paul Krugman. Um, you know, nobody listens to this dude's podcast, but there are people with big audiences, big, big audiences who spout the same misinformation. Okay, so his second quote problem with crypto is that, and I'm quoting him directly, crypto is created to make nerds rich. <sighs> okay, yes, a lot of people have gotten rich and are getting rich with crypto, no arguments there. But claiming that that's the reason for its creation is next level ignorance. Satoshi minted what is now somewhere in the neighborhood of I think $40 billion worth of Bitcoin but it hasn't moved. It's just sitting dormant in a wallet somewhere. Bitcoin was created to solve systemic problems in the global monetary system. And each new cryptocurrency, okay, most new cryptocurrencies are built to solve a different particular problem, whether it's speed, security, transaction volume, energy efficiency, or whatever. So 
When I first listened to this and I heard the statement, I just wanted to turn the episode off. You know, by this point, he'd already said so many stupid things. You know, this this was the straw, you know. But like a traffic accident, I couldn't pull myself away. And how much worse could it get? Seriously. Well, it does get worse. So he contends that crypto is created to make nerds rich. But then he goes on to say, and I'm quoting this directly, but some very, very smart computer nerds, in my opinion, didn't like that most wealth is concentrated with older people. As you accumulate wealth over time, especially as you get more than you need to subsist, and then all that continues to compound on top of each other like most wealth is concentrated in older people, right? And the greatest generation and high levels of baby boomers and whatnot, and just as that continues, it's just how it works, right? Money, wealth, compounds over time. So the longer you've been around, the more you have. And I think a bunch of smart nerds thought that, hey, why wait our entire lifetime to accumulate millions of dollars when we can just make up our own currency and have millions of dollars there? Okay, apologies for the word salad. That whole mishmash of horseshit was a direct quote. But how stupid is this argument? People create cryptocurrencies because they don't like old people having money? It, it, it's baffling. Okay, his next argument is that crypto's wealthy advocates like Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey, and other rich celebrities aren't a good reason to buy. Okay, that's true. You shouldn't make investment decisions based on celebrities, but you also shouldn't avoid making investments just because certain high-profile people are doing it. Again, dumb. Okay, this is starting to take longer than I anticipated, so I'm going to pick up the pace here. Um, next up, the cliche of all crypto cliches, crypto is too power intensive. So I've talked about this before ad nauseum, but he takes this argument to new levels of idiocy by trying to explain how mining works. He says, the people that start with crypto, they don't buy it from someone else, are again nerds, people with money that can invest in huge server farms to mine for this crypto. And then they get it, not for free, right? Because all that costs money, but they get it without having to pay for it. And then it's worth something and they can go sell it to someone else at tens or, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in US dollars. Again, I do the research, I read the reports, I listen to the podcasts so that you don't have to. But in this case, I think the experience knocked about 50 IQ points off me because the content was just so stupid. But again, I do it for you because I love you. Um, and I've talked about this on previous episodes, so I'm not going to get into it here. But if you want some resources on uh, just how illegitimate the energy FUD argument can be, send me an email and I'll be happy to share some real data with you. Um, and just so you know, there are a lot of people right now out there that are using net negative carbon Bitcoin mining methods. Yes, net negative. So they're actually reducing emissions through mining. Anyway, reach out to me if you want to learn why this argument is silly and getting sillier as more and more miners go online in North America. Okay, we're almost done here. His final argument, which is probably the dumbest one of all, he claims that since more cryptocurrencies are continuing to be created, that increasing supply may cause inflation. Now, before he makes this assertion, he, he pats himself on the back, telling his audience that he's never heard anyone say this, so it's his original thought. He says, and I'm quoting this directly, 
And the more cryptocurrency that's out there means that things are going to get more expensive the same way that more U.S. dollars are put out there increases inflation. Okay. Now, again, I just envisioned sitting across the desk from this guy at our initial meeting. And uh, remember, this kid's a CFP. He's a certified financial planner. So I can, I can just imagine looking for a financial advisor to manage my $2 million portfolio. And I'm sitting with him. And after he gives me a buy-the-book recommended 60-40 portfolio allocation, I ask him, hey, Mr. Financial Advisor, what should I consider related to buying cryptocurrency? And if he were to come back with any of these arguments that I heard in this podcast, I would be out of there so fast, it would make your head spin. And, you know, seriously, dude, you're a financial advisor and you want to tell me that cryptocurrencies were created by nerds to get rich because they don't like the fact that old people have money? <sighs> Boom. So here's my final point in all this. There are people out there with platforms offering up advice that can be absolutely terrible. Advice that's based on total ignorance and a complete lack of intellectual curiosity. And these people, in some cases, are credentialed, like this guy. And they have the acronyms after their name, which are supposed to assure you that they know what they're talking about. So do your research. Do, you know, don't take anything at face value. Don't take anything I say at face value. And again, I'm not calling this guy out to be a dick. And I've never said a mean word about a specific podcast on this show, and I probably never will again. But this information was just so heinously off the mark, couldn't keep my gob shut. Okay. Anyway, that's it for today. Um, give a prayer for Ukraine. Um, I'll talk to you next week. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 